0: Okay, Daniel, we're talking a day after United drew with Spurs to all. It was a kind of entertaining, if somewhat chaotic game. You enjoy it? It was a game
1: out out of the 80s, really, or even before that. John Motson loved to bang on about how United Spurs games are always entertaining. And uh, yeah, it was entertaining, but it was a uh, I'm beginning to lose my fucking patience kind of game as well. Yeah. And. Yep. I think that is because it's now at the point where like getting outplayed by a midfield of Skip Hoyberg and Kerr. Bentenker. Now Bentsenker's a good shouldn't player happen. but the other two are fucking donkeys. Yep. And yep. it yep. shouldn't be that any United midfield gets dominated like that by them. And it also shouldn't be that 10 needs to have every single last player in place in order to execute his vision. Mm-hmm. Which we may well, or may right. not even know what it is. When like right. Postecoglou is executing, we know exactly what he's trying to do, and he's doing it with whatever dickhead he yeah. has to play, mate.
0: Well, exactly, yeah, yeah. And now I, yeah, I was thinking exactly the same thing yesterday. Yeah. What I couldn't understand is how he deployed the same fucking formation again. Yeah, M- 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 new sat there on his own trying to run midfield or on his own as everyone else runs around doing whatever the hell they like so i was like i mean two classic goals united conceded one the set piece <laughs> eric gramsey who's been in place for a couple of years now should really be forced to explain what he does for a wage because we're crap at scoring them and concede far too many and then the other just sliced straight through our midfield like every other goal this season just yeah deeply frustrating those two things were.
1: Yeah, and I don't know what he expected. I mean, look at Ericsson on the second goal. But we know that. He's a nice footballer. And in some games, he'll give you some control and some invention that is helpful. But you generally don't know which games they'll be. You definitely know which games they're not going to be. And that was one. I mean, yep. I would never have thought that he would be a sensible pick against the team, really. And what happens if Casemiro comes back, gets fit, and it's still happening that with Casimir, Mainu and Bruno, pretty much the only trio he's not tried yet. If that's rubbish as well, then what? He's screwed. I mean, I know Martinez will make it better. And the reason why I'm speaking quietly is I've just remembered my wife's asleep in the next room. And I'm under strict instructions to go and do this shit downstairs when that's the case. But I just, I'm, I'm tired.
0: D- don't worry, Dan, this, no one, no one's going to see this. So she'll never find out. Yeah
1: exactly so, um, Mart- Martinez coming back will help he's a good player but again like having everyone there you're sort of still what you sort of had was it felt like you got one manager getting the most out of his players and making them into a team and the other one getting the least from a collection of individuals and I, I thought about it and I thought well Guardiola sort of needed everyone in place but he was Guardiola Um Ten is and all that, and we knew what Guard. Well, we knew, I don't know. It's just, is it possible that this just, just this doesn't work with these players? I don't know. Like this whole three-two-five and build-up thing. Like they're not good at moving the ball about, and the no. worse players than yeah, them United. are doing it better over and over again. We're getting outplayed over and over again by teams <clears> with <throat> yes. players who we would not countenance at United, and quite ormouth. Or whoever, and yes, we there is yeah. injuries and all the rest of it, but we, it's it is it, yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah. a long way from good enough, but I guess at least we scored
0: some goals, some good ones. We've said it before that it's there's a kind of limit, there's a kind of ceiling to the patience you have with Ten Hag's inability to like execute on a vision. I mean, it's now well over eighteen months since he took the job, and it'd be hard to conclusively say that you know what system he's trying to play because it's it's week-to-week, game-to-game. It's sort of a throw, 4 3 2 one. but he's now changed it up. So we've got Rashford and Garnacho and Bruno as the three behind Hoyland, and it's it's just a bunch of chaos merchants. And then when you get Eriksen there as well, whose inclination is to push forward and try and find space for the ball then they kind of, it kind of, sort of, said, sort of, potentially makes sense if you have a team which is going to concede possession, sit deep and try break. Sort of almost makes sense as Oli Ball. You'd probably want someone with a bit more NASA around central midfield than Ericsson. But they did, like, neither one nor the other yesterday. They had players pushing forward into very attacking positions, leaving massive amounts of space through midfield. And yet, at times, they just conceded the ball and went for the diagonal quite often, actually, early in the game. Um, and that was semi-successful, wasn't it? I mean, there wasn't any kind of defensive coherence, uh, but semi-successful getting it forward early and trying to play into space. Yeah, and I felt like the goals were coming when, when, when they came. But,
1: I mean, I did just didn't expect us to not, be to not concede. And to come out and score a concede, after 50 seconds, or whatever it was, the second half, just those kind of things. You don't just, you're not making the, it was a good goal, but you're not making them force the opportunity, really. You just, it just shouldn't, it shouldn't happen. And things like that happen so fucking much. And it's been going on for so long. And it is that, like that, that strolling through the midfield. And sometimes you feel like, well, the way I like get it is quite technical. So the midfielders are moving to create space, table balls and full ball, blah, blah, blah. But this is just really basic unathleticism of not following runners. And what do you expect? And when and with this midfield I was talking about, Casemiro, mainly Bruno, right? We'd sell Casemiro this month if we got a good enough offer. And yet, at the same time, mm-hmm. we're relying mm-hmm. on him. And even when we play quite well, how many hidings have we handed out under Tannach? I think like almost
0: none. It's 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 just it's so laboured. Have we we swept with our score more than three times? I don't know. We got a few in the Champions League. Not more than three, though. There were three at Bayern, three against Mm. Copenhagen.
1: Yeah, but have we scored?
0: We haven't scored more than three this season, have we? No, I don't think so. No, I mean, and it used to happen regularly under Oli, and and we all kind of suspected that there was a limitation to how Oli Ball. How far Oli Ball could go, and it took United to second place. No real title challenge, and I think we expected with Ten Hag there would be an evolution from that, and it definitely hasn't been. And it feels now that we're just we're waiting for all these players to come back, and if it doesn't function, then I would not expect Ten Hag to last beyond the summer. He's going to last to the summer. They're going to do their audit. They're going to put the structures in place. The last thing that should happen is the manager underneath this new ownership partial ownership group and the new sporting director or whatever they get called and new recruitment person, then they'll think about the manager. And that's the, I think, the way it should be in the modern club, which United are far from being. Um, and so he's safe for now, but it's going to take a big turnaround, isn't it? Like, imagine United lose another, what was it, 14 games before New Year? Imagine we lose, <laughs> well, we probably, we probably can't because we're out of all the fucking competitions now, so we can't we can't lose another 14, but... Uh, well, I suppose we could if we really tried hard. But imagine we lose another eight or nine at the end of the season; we we'll finish outside of all European places, and Ten Hag will be gone in the summer, and probably rightly so.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think he, if it he's he, it needs to be good from now between now and the end of the season. And the solution at the end of the season can't just be buy me better players, because it is fair to say buy me better players, but you've got to earn the right to manage those better players by making the ones that you have good. In, in, into a good team. And if he gets everyone back and they start settling and they start playing football that he wants and they groove a style and he's got midweeks to coach him and all the rest of that bullshit, then, then, then fair enough. But Brailsford, I heard talking about, he was on NASA, being interviewed by NASA to say, it was talking about the England cricket team and the way that they were playing and running towards the day, whatever running towards the day. I mean, he didn't use that particular buzz phrase, but something like it. And I couldn't mm. help but think that, massive difference between england cricket team and united apart from like quality is charismatic readership like if brendan mccullum tells you to do something or if ben ben stokes tells you to do something and says it's a good idea and then does it you're like yeah fuck yeah and if eric tells you to do something you have less it's it's just going to be less compelling and it feels like sometimes you watch United play, particularly in that second half, and you think, Do you really believe in what you're doing? And it doesn't massively feel like they do. They don't play with that level of intensity no. at all. And that was one of the things like in the second half, like obviously the imprecision's fucking annoying and all the rest of it. But as much as anything, it was it didn't they got a bit better towards, like to really towards the end, but it didn't feel like they were really going for the win in the way that they should have Like They, were, they weren't attacking the win.
0: No. There were some good things uh, that um, came out of this. Rasmus Hoyland scored a great goal after three minutes. I mean, he's going to take a lot of confidence from that finish. And, I mean, nice layoff by Marcus, who was doing his best to run into a blind alley, as he did all all game, basically. <laughs> <laughs> But it it was a confident finish, wasn't it?
1: Oh, it was a brilliant finish. I think Rashford might have overtaken Ryan Giggs as the most frustrating player I've ever watched. Just so much ability that it can be sometimes really hard to understand why you were more brilliant more often. Um, Obviously, Ryan Giggs was brilliant a lot. Did some things. I'm not saying Ryan Giggs wasn't good footballer. I'm saying that... Watching him on his good days made his bad days hard to understand sometimes. My great, yeah, Giggs absolutely. Would always be, yeah. I wish he'd have moved back. To, I wish he'd have moved into midfield sooner. When he, if he'd have moved mm-hmm. into midfield at his peak, then yeah, he, he could have been insanely good. But I understand why you wouldn't do that because where'd you find another left winger like Ryan Giggs? But
0: mm-hmm.
1: if he'd have moved sort off after 99 ish, if he'd have moved into central midfield, then I think he'd have been incredible. But anyway, um. Yeah, Rash. Just, yeah, he he got so many so many good things, so many bad things, and yeah, I thought it was weird because he played quite well yesterday, and also didn't play quite well at all.
0: In one respect, he he really attacked the fullback Pedro Poro. He looked to, I mean, both Poro and Tottenham left back Udogi. Your doggy. Yeah, they moved inside. Frequently, And that's part of the reason why Spurs are so dominant in midfield, that they both they both moved inside, made the overload all of the time. If If it wasn't both of them, it was one of them. They had an extra man Spurs all of the time. It was part of the reason why they were able to dominate the ball so much. But it did leave space, and Rashford attacked that space pretty well. I think the frustration came when he just ran straight at players and didn't pick the right choice too often. There was one in particular that was very annoying. Yeah, right.
1: There's that one in the second half where he where he gets away down the left. I think Bruno finds him and he's got Hoyland in the middle and he just totally blanks him. And yeah. it's, it was just it's just so unnecessary. But yeah, I mean, his goal was a, a lovely finish. His lovely finish against Forrest as well whenever, a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a great finish. And... Yeah, that that's the frustration. He's capable of that. United are better with him than without him. Mm-hmm. But if we're saying that Garnaccio is a right winger now and you're thinking, where am I spending the money? I'm probably thinking as much about a left winger as a right winger, if not more.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, coming back to that conversation about uh, give me the money and we'll get better with Ten Hag, the problem is some of the money he's previously spent is exactly where United need to improve. So... Anthony is, uh, I'm pretty confident at this point, never going to make it. (laughs) And so I don't know what, like, I mean, you couldn't offload him to anyone. So he's in the squad for the foreseeable. We're going to need a replacement for Casemiro. And as you said, they would take some money if they were offered it by, I don't know, Saudi Pro League or something tomorrow. They'd take it because it's on massive wages. Varane wasn't his purchase, but he will need to be replaced uh, as well at some point. Blassie is fine. Squad player. Mount, we have no idea if he's any good or where he's going to play. I think it's more that. I mean, I, I feel like
1: I know the most amount. I know the most amount's a good player. I just I don't know what he's going to do for
0: United. Maybe he'll be the other option on the right wing. Maybe that's the best place to play him. I don't know. But
1: he assiduously refused to pick him there when he was fit. Yeah, He picked not yes, pick yeah. him there. When he had a hole in that position, he didn't pick him there. So it seems unlikely. He did not.
0: He did not. So... uh yeah so there were many frustrations I mean in 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 a sense there was the kind of kernel of something different that you're like okay well he united very deliberately at least in the first half tried to play a transitional game of football they gave up possession and territory and tried to pick Spurs off and and it worked to a point didn't it? They, they create space, they create some chances, only two shots on target in the whole game, mind you. They There were some opportunities and they perhaps United will rue not having won this game, even though they were definitely the second best side. I mean, definitely with, I mean, we can talk about some of the details. Definitely going to regret Scott McTominay missing a header from six yards out in the final minute of injury time. Definitely going to regret that, given that Scott has one fucking job.
1: It was a real brainless header that, where he just... Got excited and just tried to head it as hard as he possibly could. i tell you what else, what was funny. I found was that there was a moment where United are attacking and one pistachio goes down the left. And it was just like, why? You know, if you get the ball in that position, you can't do anything. The person on the ball knows if you get the ball in on that position, you can't do anything. And the opposition know that if you get the ball, you can't do anything. It's just, I mean, yeah, it it it, it made me laugh. I mean, yeah, I him and yeah him and are both crap. I <laughs> feel like I say every week, no, they're not they're not without virtue on occasion, but at the standard we're talking, yeah, they're they're crap. And another question I have, and this might be a technical question, I don't know, but when Richardson scores from the header, as the cross comes in, the man on the far post, I can't remember who it is, moves across, and why would you do that? Is that why are you there? If not to uh, yeah. get rid of whatever arrives.
0: Yeah. Quite often you see m- the men on the post who then push out to make sure they're set for the recycled ball and potential offside. But then what's the point in having the man on the post? So yeah, I yeah. I don't know. I mean it seems like United's weaknesses from. I mean, look. In one sense, you can say it was. It was just a. It's just a. It's just a good ball by Pedro Porro in, and the uh, Richardson attacks it, and there's some truth to that. But it was. It was a good ball. there's a good header. Yeah. It was. So there's good execution there. You can go. Okay. Fair enough. Man, man on man's there to protect that. Yeah. Sure. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, and did you think it was penalty like doggy on Garnacho?
0: Yeah, I, I I do because. The Hoyland one was much softer that than that. And then if you're just going to talk in the same game, Ericsson got penalised for one hand that looked to grab at get the Spurs play now, who went down as a free kick late in the game. And so it's just inconsistent application of what is a, a foul there. So I, I, I suppose Gunn actually didn't help himself by falling forward, where really he should have just made a big fuss about being stopped because the player did, like, what are you doing? If you're gonna grab the player with two hands, what are you trying to do? You're trying to impede them, right? <laughs> so here's why I don't—I I, just—I
1: don't get it. Like I, it felt like that anywhere else on the pitch is definitely a foul. The ref just gives it. But once you've watched it, how is it not a foul? And how are you not saying to the referee you've got this one back? And again, like I don't want the free goal for the. I'd, I'd like there to be something in the game that stops free goals for this kind of bullshit, but. I don't don't understand why why this is not a foul when you grab someone by the rib, by the by the waist, with your arms around them. That that's not allowed. And so, what I don't I I, I don't care if it were to be allowed in the game, but I want the laws to say there'll be a grey area which will allow the referee to interpret whether, in the context of Mm -hmm. the physicality, we want in the game. Even though this is against the rules, I'm prepared to push the boundaries to allow certain things. If the the law said that, because that is sort of how the referees ref, they decide if they fancy giving a penalty in that particular situation.
0: Uh, I've read law 12. I don't see anywhere in law 12 that says there's a different interpretation of what a foul is inside the box or outside the box. It's the same law. So a foul is a foul is a foul, and referees are just making it up when they do. Funny thing is, Dermot Gallagher in the uh, Sky Studio, he did the same thing. And I don't know. I mean, like, he's there just to defend referees. It's kind of pointless. I, mean, I just just he, he was like, there's not enough in this for me. He kind of defended the decision on its merits of that one thing, but, but not in the context. Gary Neville said that as well. There's not enough in it for me. Like, it, it isn't
1: exactly for you. It's that it's a foul. And I agree that there's not enough in it for you to want to hand a good chance of a goal, but it's a foul. It's still a foul. Yeah. I think there was one that I thought they maybe could have had, actually. I can't remember what happened now, but I also thought that that might have been a foul in the
0: box. I, I think it was when, when Bersaka slided in and maybe caught the player, or maybe not. It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, but, I don't know. I, I find some of the... I don't want to get off on conspiracy it, they, theories about referees, but the the... The inconsistency of it all is deeply frustrating for all fans of all teams. Like we oh, honestly it all applied. Yeah, It's definitely not conspiracy. It's just, it's just inconsistency. And the other one that annoyed me in this game was when Wan-Bissaka got yellow carded for the follow through. The, the problem is the follow through only happens because the player and it was Brennan Johnson, wasn't it, like moved across to put his leg in the way and protect the ball. And, and as a result of that, Wampersaka fouled him. Funny thing is, Marcus Rashford a few weeks ago did the same thing, went to protect it, got sent off for it. So it's like, are we really like we're judging, now we're judging outcomes, not, not inputs, right? So Wampersaka took the ball cleanly and then the follow-through because play got in the way. There was another sliding tackle in Van der Veld, which was an excellent tackle on Garnaccio, who instead of getting hit by Van der Veld, jumped up and out of the way Uh, and so is that now because the output didn't touch Garnacho? it's not a foul even though he wasn't in control of the slide you see how these things are like completely interpreted completely differently but where are we judging inputs or the outputs and none of that is ever done consistently either
1: or really even discussed in the laws I mean I think that it's it's one of those where I think the output can matter sometimes like if you really hurt someone then that might be evidence that you were out of control or there was bad tackle and you need to be ready for that but at the same time we're trying to keep it as much of a contact sport as you can and we accept the fact that if we have tackling sometimes people are going to get hurt badly but most of the time they're not. And. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to find that balance between protecting people's livelihoods and not allowing people to be kicked out of the game with allowing challenges. And now it just feels like I felt like previously I had a much better idea of what was going to be called and what wasn't going to be called, whereas now it feels much harder to predict because it feels like the same referee could make a different decision in a different circumstances all the time. And through the same game. And obviously yeah. VAR then I mean, is an extra factor in there because you, you like when well, I saw the guy on that chair one, I thought, how's VAR gonna say that isn't a penalty? But so of didn't didn't get involved. And you just there's so there's that extra variable. But I I I do think that input and output can matter. It's more the total lack of clarity about what decision is going to be made, even when you're absolutely certain. There's no ambiguity about what's happened.
0: Yeah, and there wasn't an ambiguity about the Garnaccio one because he tried to foul him. He did foul him, and it impeded the player getting the <laughs> ball. So, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I mean, normally when I stick two hands around person, someone, it's, you know, I really like them, or uh, I guess on the football pitch, it's it's just you're trying to impede someone. Anyway, whatever. It's... Very stupid and frustrating, all of it. Um, and I suppose, yeah, since football was invented until until it, it, it ends, we're always going to have this debate, aren't we? So, yeah. But about this one in particular, like, I'm not
1: frustrated we didn't get the penalty, really, because it felt like it wasn't worth the penalty, even though it was penalty. It's more the frustration is just having no idea what's happening and why, what's going to happen, and then when it happens, yeah. why it happened.
0: Right, and they won't explain it. Same. yeah i find i find find that annoying
1: i don't it's not even i don't even care that much about the accountability like i just like there's something that would feel a little bit right and also a little bit wrong about a show trial after every game where the ref has to say (laughs) i got this right and i got that wrong like like they're in school or whatever like I, i i i see i see both sides of that and i guess i think i've probably said this before like i did it. I was kind of always in favour of players ragging referees because why wouldn't you? It seems like part of the fun of the game, just part of the show, until I did a piece with grassroots refs and heard stories from female refs, and not just women refs, but others about them getting battered by kids and their parents. And then also mm. what happens in the Premier League, clearly filters down. Filters down, totally yeah. Ch- yeah, yeah, and that, that, that just totally—that totally changed my opinion of this. Not changed my opinion, or sort changed what I understood the reality had to be. And that is, you don't allow it. You don't allow it in the Premier League, because I mean, there's nowhere in the world that it's safer to start a ruckus than a Premier League football pitch, apart from an airport. Nothing will happen <laughs> because there's a million cameras, and you can say what you want to who you want and do whatever you like, and more or less you're safe. But you're not safe in sunday or saturday football and so i do i did i guess i did change my opinion about that and that makes me think that refs having to perform these show trials after every error mm-hmm. I, I i see why you wouldn't do that and what kind of precedent it sets and just makes the whole thing even more fucking minging than it already is with like because then you get the managers involved you get the tv dickheads involved and the yeah. whole thing just becomes even more of a crusade about t- tedious shit. And that's how we ended up with VAR in the first place. So I don't, I don't feel like I want to introduce that, although obviously I totally understand why seeing some idiot ref squirm would be entertaining and rewarding in some <laughs> aspects. But yeah, I, I'd say on balance, I think I'm, I'm an off-on-balance, I'm a no.
0: Yeah. I wonder whether there's a, a, a kind of safer way of doing it. Some of it because the, the VAR officials could well be anonymous and I know they do actually release the names, but it could be anonymous, anonymous and we could hear that audio. Like, so... Maybe Christian Eriksson
1: was a uh, var in the first half yesterday.
0: Uh, yeah. I'd just like to... I suppose I'd like to... I mean, because they, they've only released a couple of pieces of audio where there's been particularly controversial incidents in order to... And, and pressure from clubs in order to do it. But if the fourth official said, had a look at it, like... No change, not a foul. Fine, as long as they're consistent with all the decisions too, and and it's not going to that's not going to create uh, any sort of filtering down of problems because there is only VAR in the Premier League, and then and then I wouldn't mind seeing the ML match assessments because they do do that, all right? and that's a bit of accountability that'd be all right. That's not promoting verbals against referees. That's just saying, hey, we're going to be transparent with the performance of our officials. So, and they don't do that. So, and I don't think the clubs even do that either. I think
1: I think I'd have to have. I'm just trying to think about what circumstance I would be prepared to read that in, and I, I, I don't I don't think there is one.
0: You, you don't know assessments of, of mail officials not not up for that one. No. So,
1: when I started the university, so there was five of us in my college doing my subject and we go for our first meeting with our supervisor, the five of us and on the way there, we walk. So I was doing social and political science. It's not interesting, but anyway, I was doing the, but the reason why, so we had, we did a paper in the first year in archeology span and anthropology. So we're walking to meet our supervisor in Arcanem and we get there and then we walk on the, we then one of the girls in the group says one, of the five of us says, oh, on the way here. She was like posh Scottish, like her dad was high up in the Scottish police and borders or whatever, that kind of affair. She says, on the way here, I've noticed that we walked past the Arcanham Museum. Do you think perhaps on a rainy day we should go? And the supervisor says, no. So we're walking back and I'm just making conversation. I guess my friend spoke. So I said, do you know know how much it would be raining? For me to have to go, for me to go you know, what a rainy day, it would have to be for me to go to that Arkham Museum. If it was raining in my, if it was raining in my room, I still wouldn't go. And didn't realize that she had taken umbrage. A few weeks later, United are in a new camp. I tell the supervisor, the different supervisor, that I've got a wedding because I'm going to Barcelona. I come back and he goes, so Daniel, how was the wedding? I said, oh, it was really beautiful. Thank you for asking. And then he goes, did it go to extra time? Cause she grasped me. <laughs>
0: yeah as punishment
1: <laughs> but anyway if for the raiding in my room quip but anyway yeah it, it would have to be raiding very hard in my room or the equivalent of for me to read this pigwell report i think but
0: <laughs> all right I, like I was them. i was rather hoping you'd start doing ref watch and you can do a minute by minute like tracking the referees <laughs> and their performance each game I'd, yeah, yeah wait sky should do that ref cam why not? We can just have pure commentary just on the referee and their decisions, nothing else. Let's see. In fact, why don't and we just skip just the want... football and go straight to the assessment of the referee posi- performance? It would be great. Yeah, just hear the the
1: deep breaths could be quite erotic, I don't know. Yeah. Who's yeah. your favourite ref? Yeah.
0: If you had to, uh, if you had to, the A's with one ref, who would it be? None. <laughs> Andre Mariner. Kalina. No, I don't like any of the Premier League refs. They're all assholes. Probably Kalina. I mean, he seemed like he had a personality, maybe. maybe. But yeah, um, that's it, isn't it? It's, we shouldn't. The. 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 Us being sick and tired of referees and judging. Judging but their performance and what was right and what was wrong hasn't become better in the VAR era. In fact, it's become worse. They didn't fix anything. So we're just we're still complain about referees every week and wonder why they can't be consistent. And it's because they're human and fallible. Uh, just managed to get a couple of human and valuable yeah, yeah. things wrong yesterday, I reckon. So, I'd, yeah, yeah, it's like, a, but it's just, it's, it's,
1: it's strange when the things that they get wrong, they have no excuse for getting wrong. And that w- that was one, I would say. But but yeah, I mean, I don't, I already really care that they get things wrong. It's just, it's that sense of not having a clue what's going to happen that feels like a new thing.
0: Hmm. All right. Well, that was that. Seventh or eighth or something like that. I think eight points behind fourth place now, which is looking pretty bleak. I can't imagine us pulling back that number of um, points. So it's not looking awesome for the rest of the season. So we do have a couple of weeks until the next game, which is... I saw Ten Hag afterwards asked about it and he was asked whether this is good. And he said, well, for some who've played a lot of football, they need the rest. Some really need some games because they're just coming back. And that that's true. So you've now got, Martinez, who played 30 minutes or so. Casemiro didn't get on. Mount, I guess he'll have another couple of weeks closer to fitness, and Melassia too, perhaps, if he's ever going to be fit, and the same with Maguire.
1: It feels like you should have pretty much a full you squad. You'd expect
0: so, since they bend off regularly on. Yeah. yeah, so by the time we get back to our next game...
1: Yeah, I mean, they're all crap, obviously, but there's quite a lot of competition, even for places on the bench now. As in, like you know, you feel mm-hmm. like we have got a pretty good idea what the first team is, but Mm -hmm. for like it's quite quite a lot of competition for places on the bench now and maybe i don't know maybe a bit of competition for places will help i mean i feel like rashford felt like he put quite a lot more effort in yesterday but i don't know i mean if you if it doesn't look like we're gonna buy anyone this month does it
0: no i mean it'd be loans so yeah there yeah i assume so i mean i don't have a I don't have a calculation of United's FFP position, but let's just assume they're right against the ceiling because of the amount they've spent over the last few years. My yeah. sense is that they might try and be clever in overstating it a little
1: bit. So that if they do try and get someone, then it's not we've got loads of with like Peter Kenyon if we were cash rich. Suddenly everyone bugs to anywhere in on the prices. Yeah, yeah whatever Dickhead we're well that's by. Quite-
0: yeah, and and that's fine if they are overstating it, that's that's totally that's totally cool in order to get um better deals. I mean what one deal we can talk about. Hannibal Medgebury has has left. I mean I guess Cobby uh, my News Rise has sort of put paid to his opportunities in midfield. So he's left, gone to Sevilla for twenty million, well it's a loan with a twenty million option, a thirty five million buyback clause. And I guess I guess if Ten Hag doesn't seem like he really believes in him because he hasn't had an awful lot of opportunities. So, if that's the case, and and that's the assessment of the club overall, then twenty million is a better fee than we've got for a lot of younger players that have left in recent times. Yeah, I think that feels like a good deal for everyone. That one, He's, I mean, I as I said, I, yeah, I've said
1: this for a couple of years now. I was always felt biased against. Biased again, so I wanted him to succeed. Just what I'd heard from from inside the club made me think there's no way this guy's going to be good enough to play for United's first team just because it would be impossible for the people that evaluate him to be that wrong um, so yeah I mean I, I think that he, he was he, he, we played that European game didn't he where he actually but home games at Galatasaray where it actually felt like he played okay in the first half then he got hooped mm-hmm. at half time and never ever seen again um, but, yeah yeah clearly Clearly we have another manager who doesn't think he's good enough. So fair enough. Yeah, as non football professionals, I feel like if two sets of United managers don't think don't think he's good worth keeping around, then that's probably right. He's probably isn't.
0: Yes, and there are very few who have left the club in recent years where there's been a, a sort of lot of bleating on the internet about it that have actually done well. Yeah. And the players who left in the summer for very low fees. I mean, Ted and Mengi, you'd probably say right now he's worth more because he's had a good season at Luton and has stayed fit most of all, which has been his problem throughout his career. He's perhaps overperformed, but there's a sell-on we clause there. We don't know, but... And, and we don't know yet, really. And Zidane Iqbal can't get in the Trek side at the moment. And it's Utrecht he went to. Yeah, oh, my yeah. gosh. There were uh, a lot of
1: upset people on the internet when we fought, when we saw it, wasn't there?
0: There, were, there really were. There really people he that weren't And a lot to... There, there are a lot of people who aren't happy. It's a youth product and we, you know, if we're going to sell them, I guess people would rather we're like Chelsea or, or City and get really good fees. But in order to do that, we're going to have to up the quality coming out of the academy and on a regular basis it's and get a good that. reputation again. So, you just have to be good. Also, if you're a good team, people
1: want your car stops. Whereas people are thinking, well, if you're a yeah. United car off. imagine how shit you must be. You can't be, be very
0: good. Yeah, yeah. Well, quite. Yeah, They've yeah. seen. So anyway, that seems like a reasonable deal. Obviously, the since we last spoke, the Sancho deal's gone through. He came off the bench or did he start? No, he came off the bench, didn't he? And provided a, an assist for Marco Royce in his Dortmund re-debut. I, I think I made that Good word there. up, but yeah, fine, fine for him. I mean, actually, with with Mason Greenwood doing pretty well at Hetafe in a different position, he's sort of playing wide in a four four two. It could well be that United will get half decent fees for for both of these guys in the summer. If Sancho does well, he won't be going back to Dortmund because his wages are too big. But we'll see. You know, I mean, he's gonna he's not I, I,
1: he's not going to stay United. Sancho past the summer, he's going to go somewhere, and he will then no. have to take a view about. He's not going to sit United and not play. He's going to have to take a view about whether he'd want to go somewhere that they can pay his wages or take a wage cut, probably. He's not going to go to an equivalent club. I wouldn't imagine he's going down somewhere. So, I mean, it's one of those things with Sancho. On the one hand, if he does well, it's a bit embarrassing for 10 half, But on the other hand, it means more money more money in the bank for him when he gets sold in the summer. So,
0: Yeah, that's right. And if he doesn't do well or has uh, any kind of disciplinary issues turns up late for training or any of that kind of nonsense then then unfortunately he's going to have that reputation that sticks so uh unfortunate for him and and for united uh, but this will this will be where the major amount of deals are done in the summer clearly that's uh that's what they're they're waiting for uh, the new structure they know they might have to fire tanakh so they're not going to just say well who do you want
1: and they might have ideas about who they want well, i'm sure they will but they probably won't feel that until they've done the proper audit of working out what they need. And I and also a bit a bit about who the manager is. I mean, mm-hmm. then, yeah, and they haven't, don't seem to have appointed Paul Mitchell or Dan Ashworth or whoever. So it seems unlikely they're just going to allow 10 half, 60 million quid to fritter on someone who might not be good.
0: It was reported this week that the audit at Brailsford's led. Brails the Brailsford-led audit will take eight weeks. I don't know, we're counting from now or from a couple of weeks ago. We'll see. I mean, I I think, honestly, you could uh, learn an awful lot from asking one question, which is, what exactly was the process that allowed Anthony to come to United for 100 million euros? Explain it. And uh, you'll probably uncover an awful lot of rotten culture just as a result of that one. But they're they're apparently going to go really deep. This is what everyone says Brailsford's brilliant at. Asking the right questions, putting the right people in place, getting down into the details. I mean, they were, the team were at Old Trafford today, Monday, when we were recording. So obviously Ratcliffe was at the game at the weekend. So Ratcliffe, Brailsford, Jonkle Blanc, they were all there today and they met with I, the independent Manchester United Supporters Association and Must and the fan forum, which I think in one day is more communication than we've had from the Glazers. In eighteen years, uh, and so yeah I mean it's not hard to do, is it it's not a lot of effort to no, do that. but also so. it's what is what Radcliffe wants to do
1: I mean this is a vanity project yeah it's which is it's ideal in that sense I mean I, he's not ideal, but the kind of owner you want is basically him, like, like someone yeah. who supports United I mean not to whatever extent I mean but has supports United who just wants them to be good and wants to spend his money or allow the club
0: to spend its money or just on making them good he said that uh, he was asked where does this rank in all the deals you've done because you see he's done a lot of deals over time he's a private equity guy and then built inios by buying out toxic assets of other companies he said most exciting deal i've ever done and you can kind of and he was a bit of a kid in a sweet shot kind of response but then i was thinking about it yeah i mean absolutely if any of us got to buy part of united it'd be the most exciting deal we've ever done Then again, all the deals he's done—buying this polluting factory, or that makes plastic pellets, or I don't know—a deal to refine oil coming out of some remote part of Saudi (laughs) Arabia—and like, I was like, "There's some real dirty shit here." It can't be that high. Can't be that high to get hard to get that high on the list of exciting deals when you're in that business. But maybe he just has the buzz off doing that, but. Anyway, I think you're right. Yes. like the best in the situation, the best we could have got, and the and the deal, the main new showed the deal is the best we could have got as well. And now, now it's all about the execution. Prove that this model of having a sort of separate football board and football management structure can work for United, and they can get these decisions right. And it's only a few months until we get to the summer, and we're we're going to see. Yeah, and I mean, you can see that. Like, I mean, the Brailsford is
1: a good communicator that he does have some thoughts about sport and how it works. And I've said before, like I can't really get behind the whole British cycling thing, but it doesn't mean that he doesn't have some, some kind of guidance to impart. And I guess he's, he's a big picture guy, like your main strategy guy who would employ other people to do the specialist football stuff that he doesn't know. So, I Mm -hmm. mean, we'll find out, but, he definitely will have some insight into what is required to win at sport and I mean obviously Astor is helpful but some other insights beyond that.
0: Very good well no game at the weekend United have got the week off it's this kind of rolling winter break that they do in the Premier League I guess Ten Hag will get him on the training pitch and flog them to death instead which uh, he likes to do apparently or at least the ones that need the minutes. Hopefully no new injury to touch every piece Am I watching the training? No. No, no, me watching. Me watching. Me watching half vlogging them to death. Yeah, I mean, I'd pay for that. At least once. Or at least 3.15 minutes from 12 to 12.15. 12, yeah, yeah. We've got Villa next? West Ham next? I forget now who United's next uh, game is. I'm um, just going to look it up. It is Wolves. Wolves and then West Wolves is Ham. midweek, isn't It's the Thursday. It's a Thursday night Wolves, isn't it? It's the yeah first of February yeah so about ten days from here, which is yeah very good like no excuse for tiredness then they they should all be fresh. No, but then there's match fitness. And there's match fitness that they won't have. Before we go, yes, a quick word on Andre Nana, who played in the United game and took a private jet was supposed to fly into directly into the town that the Cameroon were playing which I forget not Abidjan. His plane got directed to Abidjan because of bad weather, and so he missed the game and and probably won't be very popular with Ruberg's song uh, for that. But the most notable thing is the get-up that he was wearing, which was quite extraordinary suit and platform shoes. Just top-quality stuff. Loved it. So. It was... He looked... Yeah, I mean, I put a picture of it on Twitter. He looked like
1: um, a, a building in a crowd that has... Um... Skybar in it. So if anyone wants to Google with Skybar Coral, look at my Twitter, you'll see that they are indeed very similar. It's just, yeah. I mean, they it's, are indeed it's very similar. Clothes, you know? It's those clothes that you only really get away with wearing if you're a footballer. I mean, you'll say, I've yeah. always like say you get away with them that you would only try wearing if you're a footballer almost.
0: I could not do it. I could, I would, as I said to you, I think if I tried to wear that, that rig, I would be called a cunt 50 times before I got out of my neighbourhood. And, and that'd just be myself, because like, <laughs> I just couldn't, I couldn't pull it off. No way. <laughs> but hey, Andre did, and he looked good in it. And uh, well, good luck to him for the rest of the tournament. Not the best result for Cameroon in their opening game against you know, Skinny. I mean, do we want him back or not? I don't... No, well, that's a good question. We don't know whether Bayern Deer is any good or not, do we? I mean, if Cameroon go out of the first game, he might not, he might not miss any Premier League games at all.
1: So I was watching Egypt, yes, then I got like, on the one hand, I want them to lose because I want Salah to be unhappy. But on the other hand, I want him staying out there for as long as possible. So actually, do I want them to succeed? I mean, they should at least make the knockouts, I would imagine. And so Cameroon probably should as well, even though they drew. With Guinea, they'll beat, who did Senegal beat? The Gambia, they'll beat the Gambia.
0: I think if Egypt make the final... And Salah misses the penalty to lose Egypt the tournament. That would be the perfect scenario for me because he'd be staying out the whole length, uh, and then hopefully mentally destroyed after that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I will, I will, I will watch that if that happens.
0: Yeah, good stuff. All right. Well, that's it. We'll we'll catch up with you soon. We'll probably do a, a mailbag pod at some point during this lengthy break. Thanks for listening.
1: Please.